so much. Turn with me to the book of James this morning. We're still going to uh, selected uh, passages in the Bible. I'm trying to go to some that are familiar uh, to you. And uh, we are going to get back in a, in a book. I'm just not sure uh, when that's going to be. Uh, probably at least not until after Easter. But uh, still doing some selected texts. And we're in James chapter 1 this morning. And uh, we'll be looking at verses uh, 5 through 8, James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting. The one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord. Being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. That is God's word. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for uh, this portion of your word. I pray your blessing upon our time in it. That you would be our teacher. That you, through the Holy Spirit, would open our eyes to see its truth, our ears to hear its message, and our hearts to embrace and apply what we find in it. And we ask that you would uh, help us through this to give you all the glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the book of James is a very practical book. It's actually one of my two favorite books in the Bible. The other is the book of Proverbs. Uh, I would suppose that... um, They are the closest to being how-to books that we find in the Bible. Martin Luther, you may have heard this, I'm sure you probably have, I think Carrie's shared it in Sunday school before, but Martin Luther didn't think much of the book of James. He was the leader of the Protestant Reformation, but he didn't think much of the book of James. He called it an epistle of straw. And the reason he did was because he thought there was too much in it about works and too little in it about grace. He thought that there was so much in James that kind of contradicted Paul's focus upon the fact that we are saved by grace and that we are to live our lives by faith. And so he kind of discounted the book of James as an epistle of straw. But the truth is that James is very important. Because the way I see the book of James is this. It teaches us how to apply our faith to daily situations in life. Still January for a few more days. And some of us are still probably thinking about how how am I going to apply my faith more specifically in my life every day. You know, understanding how we apply our lives, our faith more effectively in our lives is really an important part of sanctification, isn't it? Maybe in a sense, that's what sanctification boils down to. How do I apply my faith in Jesus to the situations that I face every day? And that's what makes sanctification such a challenge. It's because our situations change. And just because we have it figured out on one day or in one circumstance or in one situation doesn't mean that we are going to have it figured out for the next next day or that next situation that confronts us. 
And, and so a real part of sanctification is trying to figure out how do I apply what I know and believe about Jesus and the gospel to very specific situations that I face and encounter in life. That is, how can I demonstrate more clearly my faith by my works? That's what James is asking. How do I make my faith visible? How can people see the fact that I trust in Jesus? Well, it's by the works and the way that I live. And I just want to focus on one part of the Christian life this morning, and that is wisdom. It's interesting to me that those two books I mentioned, as kind of practical books, how-to books, Proverbs and James, both have a lot to say about wisdom. How much better our lives would be if we really understood what it meant to live wisely. I'm sure you can think of people in your life, in your history, your family, that you think, you know, that's a wise, that's a wise person. That's a wise, that's a wise man. That's, that's a, she's a wise woman. Those people stand out, don't they? People who really understand what it is to live life with great wisdom. And that's what I want us to focus on this morning from this passage from the first chapter of James. And I want to pour out four things that James here says here you must do. If you're going to live your life in a practical way, living uh, with wisdom. Uh, first, if you're going to have wisdom, James says, you must come to a place where you realize that you need it. That is, to get wisdom, you've got to realize that you don't have wisdom. Uh, James begins our text in verse 5 saying this, but if any of you lacks wisdom, James is talking to people who lack wisdom, who don't have wisdom, and who know they don't have it. See, wisdom is something everyone needs. And the word any there, if any of you lacks wisdom, refers to anyone or to any one of you. It includes all people from all walks of life. Both the most highly educated and those with very little education need wisdom. Both the rich and the poor need wisdom. Adults and children both need wisdom. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you are in life. You need wisdom. And a basic step in getting it is realizing that you need it. Simply realizing you don't have the wisdom that you need to live the Christian life as you should. And before you can see that you need it, however, you really must have a basic understanding of what it is. Some people think that wisdom is the same as knowledge. There's actually a vast difference between the two. You know, all you have to do is look around you, and you can see that's true. You know, we live in a day of, of uh, a knowledge boom. I mean, there's, a, there's an explosion of knowledge, isn't there? In, in so many different areas of life, people are learning new things about so much of life every day. Hardly keep up with it. But then, look at our culture. 
Does that knowledge, increase of knowledge, in any way apply to a deeper level of wisdom? Are people wiser because they are smarter? Are people wiser because they have more knowledge? It doesn't necessarily go together, does it? The reality is that knowledge is increased. But wisdom is decreased. A number of years ago, someone said, through knowledge, man has learned to travel faster than sound. But he shows his lack of wisdom in go- by going faster in the opposite direction. Charles Spurgeon said, wisdom is the right use of knowledge. And I think that's a pretty good definition of wisdom. Wisdom is the right use of knowledge. What matters is not what knowledge you have, but how you use what knowledge you have. You know, some of the wisest people I've known are not the most educated people that I've known, but they're people who've learned to take what knowledge they have and apply it wisely to life. To have wisdom, folks, is simply to have the mind of Christ. To have wisdom is to think God's thoughts after him. To have wisdom is to make decisions as God would have you to make them. Which means that if you're going to be a wise person, you'll be saturated with the truth. And the decisions that you make are going to be based upon the truth of God's word. You know, we're all placed in situations every day. We realize, you know, I just don't have the wisdom to deal with this. I don't know what to do. And when you come to that place, you're in the right place. Because in the second place in our text, James says that if you're going to have wisdom, that you have to ask for it. James says it plainly, doesn't he? Verse 5. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. If you want to have wisdom, you have to ask God to give it to you. Because the Bible clearly says that God is the source of wisdom. Look with me over to chapter 3 of James for just a moment. We have another little section about wisdom. Look at verse 17. He says, But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. I want you to notice two things before we go back to our text. He calls it the wisdom from above. This is a wisdom that comes from God. And it's also clearly here a spiritualism, isn't it? Defined by spiritual traits, purity, peace, gentleness, reasonableness, mercy, good fruits, Lack of hypocrisy, unwavering. So this is a spiritual wisdom that only God can give. And if you want wisdom, then you have to ask God for it. That's what we found in our uh, scripture reading this morning, a unison reading of scripture from uh, Proverbs chapter 2. The Lord gives wisdom, we found in that text. I want you to look with me for a moment at uh, Job chapter 28. 
Job chapter 28. You know, Job, you know the story of Job. He'd been through so much, suffered so much personal adversity and hardship. And Job really needed wisdom to be able to discern God's purposes in it all. You know, his friends came and they gave him all this counsel and advice. And Job realized that that wasn't really helping him. And so finally in Job chapter 28... Look at verse 12. He asked this. But where can wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? Man does not know its value, nor is it found in the land of the living. James, or Job's saying there, you can't find wisdom here. You can't find wisdom in earthly things, in worldly things. And he goes through the next several verses a number of things of the earth that people think might can provide wisdom that don't. Then look at verse 28. And to man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And depart from evil is understanding. God was using Job's experience to teach him wisdom and to realize that true wisdom came from him. That the fear of the Lord, the Bible says, is the beginning of wisdom. And Job had to understand that if he was going to understand the reason for all he was going through in his life. The Lord is the one who gives wisdom. And so, if you're going to have it, you have to ask for it. But I don't want to say it another way, and I want you to hear this. You're drifting off. I want you to come back in just a moment. If you want wisdom, it's not that you have to ask for it. If you want wisdom, all you have to do is ask for it. Doesn't that make a world of difference? Tell someone, look, if you want wisdom, you've got to ask for it. That's true. But it's more positive than that. If you want wisdom, folks, all you have to do is ask God for it. But in the third place, there is a condition that you must meet as you ask God for wisdom. For James says that not only must you ask for it, but you must ask for it, he says, in faith, without any doubting. Verse 6, but you must ask in faith, without any doubting. As the Bible says that when you come to God and you know you need wisdom and you ask God for wisdom, that you need to ask in faith. You need to ask with confidence. Confidence in two things. One is that God is really the source of wisdom, as we saw, and confident that God will give it to you. And the Bible says there were always to pray in faith, believing that God will hear us and that God will answer us. And God is always able to do what we ask. 
God is always able to meet the requests we give to Him. When our requests are in line with His will, we have full confidence and assurance He will give us the desires of our heart. Well, the Bible is clear. God wants us to have wisdom. There's no question about that. You don't have to wonder, well, is it God's will for me to have wisdom? He wants you to have it. And so you can pray in confidence, believing, knowing, trusting that if you ask it, He will give it to you. Look at how James describes someone who doesn't pray in faith, believing. He says, For one who doubts is like this, still verse 6, For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. He goes on to say, That man not, ought not to expect he'll receive anything from the, man, from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all, all his ways. Ever been to the beach and tried to catch the surf? You know, the waves come in and, and the waves go out and you see a wave coming in it's rushing up on the sand and you run over to try to get to it or in it and what happens? Back out of the sea. Back and forth. And James says that's the way someone is who prays without faith. They're unstable. They're moving here. They're moving there. They're, their prayers are not an anchor for their soul holding them fast. They're unstable. And they can't expect to receive what they ask from the Lord. And yet, James says that if we ask God, He is the source of wisdom. He has it. He is willing to give it to us. And He will. And we can ask Him with confidence. Over the years, my sons have asked me for to help them with a number of things. And even though they're grown, they still ask me for my help from time to time. And sometimes they ask me with confidence. And sometimes, not so much. You know, if they ask me uh, a theological question, or they ask me something about uh, social etiquette, or they ask me something about grammar, or they ask me about a financial matter, they ask with some confidence because they know I might be able to help them. But if their car won't start, or they're trying to put something together, they don't ask with much confidence. Because, though, no, I don't, I don't know much about those things. I can't help. You see, your confidence in asking someone is based upon your understanding of their knowledge and ability. The more you know that person knows about what you need and can give you what you need, the greater confidence you'll ask for it. And that's what gives us our confidence in asking God. He is the source of wisdom. He is it. It's wisdom from above. The Lord gives wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And if we ask, the Bible says, He will give it to us. Then there's a fourth thing. That is, if you ask God for wisdom, then you should expect to get it. And you should expect to get plenty of it. Go back to verse 5. Where James says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without, without reproach, 
and it will be given to him. So that's a promise God has made. If you ask in faith, believing, if you trust that God will give you the wisdom you need, he will give it. James doesn't say it might be given or it could be given. He's emphatic. It will be given to him. And notice how he says God will give it. He gives it generously. And he gives it without reproach. God is not stingy with his wisdom. And he doesn't dole it out with a bad attitude, wishing he didn't really have to give it after all. He lavishes it on his people. He gives it generously. He gives us more wisdom than we need. He gives it gladly, willingly, cheerfully. He is more than happy. You give his people the wisdom that we need to deal with whatever situation we face in life. My maternal grandmother, who lived to be 98, and she's been dead now for a number of years, was a grand old lady. Mamma Turk was a character, but she was a wonderful woman. And we had the privilege, in fact, of having her live in our home for a couple of years when our children were small. And one of her greatest traits was her generosity. She would much rather give something away than keep it. She was forever sending me to get her purse so she could give a dollar to the grandchildren. A generous person. One of my most fond memories of back in the day when we were able to visit her in her home was sitting down to have a meal. No one ever prepared a meal more generously than my grandmother. The table would hardly hold all the food she prepared for us to eat. And she served it generously. You didn't have to ask for seconds. She made sure that you got seconds. If you wanted them or not. And then if there was food left in a bowl or a pot, when everyone was through, she would get the bowl and she'd get the pot and she'd just go from person to person, from plate to plate, just putting more food on your plate. Generous. More than you needed, more than you wanted. Folks, that's the way God gives us gifts. It says it here. He gives wisdom. How? Generously. Without reproach, he doesn't begrudge you for asking. He's happy for you to ask. He wants you to have it. He's doling it out of the pot, putting it on your plate. So you have more than you can use. Wisdom, wisdom comes from God. And if you lack it, ask God for it. Because he's happy to give it to you. And he will give it generously wisdom is something all of us need there's probably a situation in your life right now that you just don't know how to handle there's probably a problem in your life right now you just don't know how to solve there's probably a relationship in your life that you just don't know how to deal with it. There's probably a person in your life you just don't know how to 
to face. And you know it. You don't have the wisdom. You don't know what to do. Well, what are you going to do? You're going to throw up your hand and say, well, I quit. I can't deal with this. This is more than I can handle. I just can't figure this out. No. The Bible says you're right where God wants you to be. If any of you lacks wisdom, if you lack wisdom and you know you lack it, then you ask God for it. And you ask in faith, believing. And you can trust and you can be confident that he will give it to you. He will give it to you gladly and he will give it to you generously. Now it's interesting that so many times when we come to things in the Bible that we need, or God says that we're to have, we ask the question, where do I, where do I find that? get it? How does God really give me that wisdom? And so often the answer is we find it in Jesus. I want you to turn with me as we conclude this morning to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And beginning with verse 18, Paul has a section there in my Bible that's called the wisdom of God. He contrasts the wisdom of the world, the wisdom of God, and how the gospel is God's wisdom, but it's foolishness to those who are perishing. Why don't you look down at verse... Well, let me, let me start at um, 22. For indeed, Jews ask for signs, and Greeks search for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. To Jews, a stumbling block. To Gentiles, foolishness. But to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. See what Paul is saying there? Christ is the personification of the wisdom of God. Then down to verse 30. But by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God. How do you live with wisdom? You live it walking with Jesus. Looking to Jesus. Living with Jesus. Walking in the Spirit. Having the mind of Christ. That's where we started. Thinking God's thoughts after him. The more you are enraptured, enveloped in who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. The more that wisdom was going to flow. You know, the wisest people are the most godly people, aren't they? So if you're there this morning, got a situation that you just don't know how to deal with, a person you can't figure out, a problem you can't solve, and you don't have the wisdom, God's got it, and if you ask for it, he'll give it. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word, and we thank you for the promise we find here that we lack wisdom and we ask for it in faith. You'll give it. 
Give it generously. And I pray we find our lives today full to overflowing with the wisdom of Christ. And we ask it in your name. Amen. Now close.